Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue, the podcast. Every relationship begins with you. Okay, I'm Heather and I am super happy you're here. I think I'm on episode 93 and I don't even know what I'm going to do when I get to 100, but I feel like when I reach my 100th episode, I'm going to give away two things Actually, three because of my three kids. Everything is three for me. So three things that, uh, three big things. I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to come up here soon because I am, I believe, on episode 93. What? Yes, I started this podcast in March, on March 17th, 2020, and I'm coming on three years. Oh, okay. So today I want to talk about triggers, right? Triggers, 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 triggers. Let's talk about the anger trigger. See, um, so triggers, um, if you paid attention to the last, um, uh, podcast, um, that I just posted, I think a week ago. Um, anyways, we, you know, go back and it's going to talk a lot about triggers and learn a little bit more. But today I want to talk about the anger trigger because it's basically when we suddenly blow up at someone. It's whether it's our partner, um, but we engage in angry outbursts. And a lot of the time they're touched off by a minor issue. And we realize, okay, we realize quickly that the immediate situation does not account for the bigness of the reaction because what ha- what's going on? We are in a battleground of triggers. Anger is defined, okay? Here's what it, how anger is defined in the dictionary as irritation at unfairness. So we react with the, you know, the distressed feelings, anger when we're triggered by something that we can consider what? Unjust or unfair to us or others. So the feeling of anger is what? Normal, okay? It's appropriate to be triggered into angry reactions, you know, when, you know, when when we think that something inequitable is happening. Um, So... But we have to start showing our anger when it's, when it is appropriate um, in nonviolent ways, in un, not aggressive ways. Um, we have to start reacting instead of reacting, responding. And we have to take a look at our anger, right? We have to really look at our anger and find out where it's coming from, which is what goes back to what? Childhood programming, your beliefs about yourself and the world at large. And that is what is in big, the biggest indicator of what is going to be trigger you, what is not, and if you are going to react in anger or not. Now, most people that react in anger, reacted as adults, were angry as children, right? You most likely aren't a people pleaser. But here's something that's very interesting. And I have found this with my clients, um, and not just people that are my clients, because you have to remember through my Instagram posts and my um, LinkedIn posts, um, I have, I get, I, I can't even tell you the number of messages I get, um, you know, direct messages. And most, a lot, no, not most, a lot of people that are people pleasers eventually become aggressors. They skip right over assertiveness and become aggressive. Why? Because they're sick of eating people's crap sandwiches. What are crap sandwiches? Criticism, rejection, abandonment, punishment. And they say no more to crap sandwiches. Screw you, eat your own damn crap, crap sandwich. But instead of becoming assertive, which is honoring myself and honoring somebody else, they become aggressive. They skip right over it, right? So, um, but what, what we need to understand is, and, and I obviously have re, um, dealt with many people that react in anger. And it's that it, it's, 
the other person and I have when I've reacted in anger um, need to be able to hear our feelings without feeling intimidated see the anger aggressive reactions are all they're intimidating and to communicate safely especially in our close relationships we have to call on our you know our resources of what respect self-control and an appropriate expression of the heated feelings in either direction and it will take practice right and this is this is um Ah, God, I love my clients. I love them so much. And I, I mean, I love you too, because obviously you all can't be my clients. But I, um, the prefrontal cortex regulates emotion and adjusts it to the efficient decision making. Now, what happens is, remember, so the prefrontal cortex is um, adjusting to what? What do you think it's adjusting to? The amygdala, which is triggered when we go into anger. So, what happens is the amygdala is scanning the landscape for threats, okay? And it sees one, activates the anger or the fear, and now what is going on is the prefrontal cortex needs to appropriately figure it out and react so it can be dealt with effectively. Well, since the amygdala is, you know, the place where, guess what, all of our early <laughs> feeling-laden memories are stored, we feel a present threat with that same impact that it, um, it had when we were powerless children. Yes, that is why you're reacting. Because the amygdala is where you've deposited the memories from childhood with the emotions attached. And when we are triggered, we are basically feeling it as, as much as when we were powerless children. And so when this happens, the cognitive processes, you guys, cannot easily connect, okay? And I'm going to explain it, the triggers to the resources. Now, what does that mean? That means we cannot, we're, when we are moving, the limbic system is activated, we're moving straight through this process really quickly. And we can't say, oh, you know what? I'm upset because when I was eight, this is what happened. We can't connect the two from the past to the present. All the subconscious mind knows the, is this. You are either someone to fight, flee from, have sex with, nurture, be nurtured by. It doesn't see you as, or me as, Heather, my mother, Heather, my friend, Heather, my coach, Heather, the podcast host. It sees me when I've triggered you as a threat but not as a name or the person that you know loves you and cares about you. Okay, that's very important to under. So, um, so basically healthy anger um, is not losing your temper. It's not a tantrum. It's not this theatrical, and I am so sick of the rageaholics in the world, right? And But yet I understand them. I get it, but I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the rageaholics. And if you're in a, in a relationship with a rageaholic, get out or get help or get out until that person gets help because punching walls, hitting, you know, screaming at you, calling you names, you do not deserve that at any moment of any second. 
And even if you own a humongous part of it, okay, meaning you're passive aggressive, you do, you know, whatever, you guys are, your one bad behavior triggers another bad reaction by another one. There's no room in a relationship for domestic violence. No room. No room for domestic abuse, mental and emotional, in a big way. Uh-uh. This goes beyond the rageaholics are beyond a temper tantrum. They are threatening right you feel threatened you feel unsafe that is means it's time to get out and that person needs to get help and so do you right so it's, it's for some it's hard to believe that they can cool, keep their cool when they're angry but it's doable right and, and, and we have to have an awareness, a calm awareness and clarity. And, um, and you know, abuse is demeaning. It creates fear. It creates mistrust. It creates all of those things. And again, I'm not just talking physical abuse. I'm talking the rageaholics. The, you know, the, how you react to your anger will tell you the depth of the amount of healing you need. Okay? Uh, even if you're not react, and also how you, if you stay in an abusive relationship like that with a rageaholic, that will tell you how badly you need to heal. You know, um, the abuser wants to dump on us, okay? They want to dump on you, not engage in a dialogue, and um, abuse, anger abuse is meant to silence you, shut you down. If you are assertively expressing anger, you treat those, you know, people um, around you that you love and care for and even coworkers and stuff as peers, not as targets. Anger honors equality. Abuse treats others as objects of wrath. We don't fear anger, guys. We do not fear anger. We fear abuse. I've never feared anger. I've felt ab feared abuse. Healthy anger will grab your attention, okay? You're, you're, you'll listen intently because of an authentic feeling engages both of the limbic system and the prefrontal. Okay, so when you are in feel danger is erupting, the rageaholics, okay, the violence gets worse. So the sense of threat is a result of then what? Intimidation. So <clears throat> anger coming at us is a strategy what? Meant to frighten us. It's meant to frighten you. It is meant to frighten you. Okay, abuse is adversarial and it includes ill will. It includes an intent to, intent to harm. And you need to understand again that this is a triggered reaction, but it's a deeply, deeply embedded trigger reaction that does not go away on its own ever. Okay. You see, the arrogant, the narcissists are the the biggest rageaholics there are. The narcissist, the codependent on the narcissistic side of ten, ten, um, codependency, they are the 
ones who is triggered and the arrogant ego, their arrogant ego feels compelled to save face and attack you. It's a form of alienation. That's what it is. It's a form of alienation, separation, driving a wedge between you and them. It takes you away from connection, more into disconnection, and the abuser continues to move against you and others. Where an angry person, guess what? They move toward each other. The angry person wants reconciliation, not punishment of the other. The goal is forgiveness, not smoldering resentment. This is why anger can coexist with love, but abuse cannot. I'm going to say it again. Anger can coexist with love, but abuse cannot. And, and you know what? In anger, okay, we are upset, but the connection endures. It will make it. It will survive. In abuse, we are upset, and the connection is broken. Anger is the shortest feeling. It rises, crests, and reduces within minutes. Abuse is fueled by revenge and grudge. It can go on for a lifetime. Is that sinking in? Abuse can go on for a lifetime. If an abuser does not get help with the rageaholic um, reactions, it will and can go on for a lifetime. Okay? So anger and abuse include grief, right? So um, they look a lot different, but, they, but, but guess what? A raised voice is okay. It's emphasis in anger. Its purpose is to get attention, get us to respond. But in abuse, what do we hear? A screaming voice that is meant to frighten us. It is meant to frighten us. And the gestures that go with the words in anger are dramatic. But in abuse, they are menacing and they're physically invasive. Think about punching walls, getting in front of your face, intimidating you in big ways. That's abuse. Okay, so let me show you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to end this here and this is very important and I'm going to tell you what does healthy anger look like? What does abuse look like? Healthy anger. You express your anger in a health, in an authentic way. Okay, abuse becomes a tantrum in a theatrical way. Health, healthy anger takes responsibility for the feeling. Abuse blames the other person. Healthy anger. It's expressed with a red face, maybe excited gestures, and yes, a raised voice, a sharp tone. That's healthy anger, guys. So stop telling somebody that they're abusive when they're not, right? Like that's also, by the way, a passive aggressive um, uh, reaction on our part when we don't like that somebody's angry on it. That's healthy anger. What abuse though is, is expressed with a red face also, menacing gestures, posturing, posturing, keep that in mind, posturing, a screaming voice and a cutting tone. Okay, so the healthy anger says to you, ouch, it's assertive, um, but it's also respectful dialogue. Abuse is aggressive, it's adversarial, it's an attack. It's based on ill will with an intent to harm you. Okay, not, it might not be physically, but emotionally and mentally. Okay, so healthy anger communicates. Abuse puts down, bullies, dumps on the other. Healthy anger, nonviolent, in control, safe limits, abuse, violent, out of control, hostile, loses temper. Healthy anger, asks for a change, abuse demands change. And the list goes on. And I will actually, you know, um, continue with that list a different day. I don't want to get you um, overwhelmed, but I will say this healthy anger 
It coexists with love. I want you to remember this. Healthy anger coexists with love and it maintains connection. Okay. It's fearless. Abuse cancels connection and it's fear-based. And so abuse is a form of avoiding one's own grief and distress with a refusal to work things out and to grow spiritually, personally, and as a person, as a team. Okay? So when you have healthy anger, it's a form of addressing, processing, resolving an issue with the spiritual consciousness. Right? So please understand that if you are in the abusive situation, okay, um, you need to get help. You need to get help, serious help for yourself of why you're staying and that person, other person needs serious help. So healthy anger seeks a mutual transformation. But guess what abuse does? Abuse is just to justify themselves. That's it, okay? You got to understand that. Basically, so when healthy anger is going to show respect for the other person and abuse is going to show contempt toward the other person as a target, right? So what, you know, and when somebody's in a rage, there's nothing you can do to stop it. They just get angrier and angrier and angrier. And, um, so how does this all come about? Obviously it's the inflated, angry ego. It's a sense of entitlement that is beyond the ordinary senses of rights. So uh, we're going to continue this discussion for a while here. So um, I'm so happy that you turned in, tuned in today. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good uh, evening, uh, good go to bed, sleep well. I don't know, when, wherever you are today, right now when you're listening to this, know I love you. And one last thing, if you click in the link here in the, in the notes, you will see, um, you can download what's called triggers. There's nine different categories with five different examples. One of the way to start helping yourself with triggers is to identify the triggers. Download that free downloadable. It's super important. It's, uh, it, uh, it, one, that's one of the things I have my clients do. We have to start identifying their triggers first before we can pull them apart. And you're not gonna be able to heal it with justice, but at least identifying, because there's nine different categories of how we're triggered. Super important. Download it until next time. I love you. Have a great... Uh, I already said all that. Goodbye. <laughs>